Hey mamas. So today we are going to hear another really powerful breastfeeding journey. Today we're going to hear from Chelsea Baker and she's going to tell us about how her son became a formula fed baby due to circumstances, lack of support, and honestly just mental health in this postpartum period and anxiety. And it's a really important message because it's a reminder to us that when we see a mother and her baby, it's often just a glimpse into their world. We don't know what the backstory is. And so many of us have fallen into this, I think, pattern of judgment around motherhood. But here's the truth, guys. There is no correct or right path for you to take in your path, in your journey in motherhood. The right path is what's best for you and your baby and your family. And it's really important for us to recognize even if we may not have done or agreed with or may have walked the same path as this mother did in her own journey. We have to be respectful and understanding and supportive in order to create this mama collective that I know we can build. Speaking of, I want to ask for a favor, guys. If you are really enjoying this episode and these podcasts, especially this breastfeeding series, I really hope that you'll share it with a friend, share it with an expected mama, share it with a mama who's due again and she's ready for her second or third or fourth child. These stories are powerful. And if you're finding value, I bet some of your friends will too. So it means the world. It's how we grow this podcast. It's how, honestly, I can continue doing it. I can keep moving the podcast forward. So thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart. All right, let's hear from Chelsea. Welcome back to the Mama Inspired Podcast. Whether you're struggling to become the mama you've always known you're meant to be, or you're holding that miracle in your arms, hear me now when I tell you that you are not alone, and that on the other side of this hard, a brand new life awaits you. Hey lady, I'm Sarah Wayne Scott. I'm here to encourage a more enlightened, compassionate, and empowered mom collective. I believe that through guru guidance, stories from mamas just like you, and a whole lot of momspiration for me, we can begin to make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. So swap out the breast pad, wipe off the barf. <laughs> it's mama time. Hello, my mama-inspired ladies. I'm excited to talk with you all today and excited to invite Chelsea Baker on the show. Chelsea, actually, well, we both went to the same high school. We grew up from the same hometown. And you think you were just a year younger than me, correct? No, You're Sarah, two years younger than I'm, me? Sarah, no. So you were like two years older than my older brother. What? And so I'm 28. So I don't know. I, I was, was thinking, probably a freshman oh, you're so right. or a, Okay. Yeah. I was either a freshman when you were a senior or even maybe like a seventh or eighth grader. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. I feel like I can remember you like walking the hall. Well, my yes. brother was a YO with you. That's right. That's right. So I would just mm -hmm. use to sing your face. Okay. Yeah. A little embarrassed, but thank you for correcting me. <laughs> you've always, well, maybe part of it too, is you've always seemed so mature and talking with you right now. It's just, wow. Okay. Anyway. I get, well, I get that. I get that sometimes. You? Um, Chelsea is a, is a, you know, newish mama. She's got a four month old and I love his name. I love, love his name Callaway. And I kind of want you to tell a little bit about like picking that up. Maybe if we get to it, but anyway, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to hear your story and excited for it to be a part of this whole breastfeeding series. Well, thank you. I'm super excited to share. And, um, yeah, so first time mom and it's been amazing and hard and scary and exciting. Um, it's so true what everyone says. It just changes you uh, immediately. Everything changes. Um, but yeah, so I'm Chelsea Baker. And yes, as Sarah said, we both grew up in Tipton, little small town. It's so funny, Sarah, when I got your friend request on Facebook, I was like, she looks so familiar, but I have no idea who this person is. What? And it's, you know, everyone gets married and our, yeah. their names change. And I remember looking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Sarah Mendenhall. <laughs> and I just remember just 
going through school thinking, oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful, angelic voice. And I was like, had this major little girl crush on you (laughs) growing up. So it's super fun that we've connected because we were obviously never, um, I mean, we were just not close and close ish in age. So there wasn't really an opportunity for us to be, you know, friends growing up, but, um, I'm happy to connect with you. Um, so yeah, and I'm excited to share my story and, um, I'll, for your question about Callaway, um, his name, it's funny you ask, it actually is if anyone on here is listening and their husband golfs. Oh my um, gosh, I knew you were going to say this. (laughs) It was from golf. So my husband loves golfing. Um, He came across the name, obviously, because Callaway is a big golf sponsor for, you know, golf balls, equipment, everything. So um, we were literally laying in bed one night and Callaway was sort of on the track to be Theo. um, And we just weren't so totally set on it. And one night in bed, Tim rolls over and said, what do you think about Callaway? I was like, are you serious? You're obsessed with golf. No, we are not naming this baby Callaway. So I was against it for probably about 25 minutes. And then I just kept thinking about it. I'm like, actually, I really like that name. So, so we went with Callaway. Um, and it, it really fits him. So he's, um, his nickname is Cal, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's that where his name came from. It's not, everyone's like, oh, are you Irish? Do you have Irish in your blood? I'm like, no, it's just golf. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love it. I think it's so great. It's so funny how, yeah, a name like that is like, once you sit on it a little bit, maybe once you say it a couple of times out loud, you think about the short of it. And you're right. Like if a name isn't feeling right to you, you won't settle into it. And then you'll know, like, you'll know the one. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. We went in with Miles, not knowing his sex. And we um, had two names picked out, like both the first and middle. And we were like, let's just, we'll just figure it, you know, like we'll wing it. We had a girl and then two boy names and it was pretty, it was pretty easy. You know, once he was born, Mm -hmm. like this feels like the fitting one. That's such, that's so cute. I love that story. That's cute. Well, thanks. So where should I begin? I'm new to, you know, being on a podcast. It's kind of exciting and nerve wracking. So just tell um, me where to start. Let's just talk a little bit about how like your pregnancy went and you can kind of lead into birth and the, and then the postpartum and, bre- and breastfeeding segment. Yeah, definitely. So I loved pregnancy. Um, we were very fortunate and it only took us two months to conceive, which I know is not the case for everyone, but it just worked out and we I were just blessed with a easy, you know, easy time getting pregnant. Um, I have, I actually found out I was pregnant on my birthday in 2020, which was January 26th. So just been just past a year since I found out I was pregnant. Um, so it was really great. I had, um, pretty easy pregnancy. I was doing CrossFit and still now I'm back into CrossFit. Um, postpartum, but I was really healthy fit beforehand. Um, and I continued being able to work out and do that, um, in the beginning of my pregnancy and, uh, things were good. I had zero morning sickness. Like I pretty much was like poster child for easy (laughs) pregnancy. Like I, if if you didn't, if I didn't know that I was pregnant, I wouldn't have known that I was pregnant. It was just, it was super easy. Um, so I, was smooth sailing up until 20 weeks. And then I actually, um, found out at my anatomy scan that I had a previa. So for those who don't know what that is, it means that your, um, placenta implanted on top of your cervix. So basically if it doesn't resolve itself, then, um, baby has no passage to exit your body essentially. Um, so I was put on pelvic rest, so no sex, no exercise, um, anything like that. So I couldn't even walk my dogs just because walking dogs, you flex your core and, um, therefore flexing your pelvic muscles. Um, so I had to really take it easy, which was super hard because I was so used to being so active. Um, but I was also, you know, going to listen to anything my doctor said, which, he was actually, he is a CrossFitter as well. So it was nice to go in to a pregnancy with him knowing what I do. A lot of people don't understand CrossFit. They think it's crazy. We are kind of crazy, but, um, but I was definitely doing everything safely. So I took a break from everything. Um, and by 28 weeks I was cleared, but that was not without, um, 
I think at 25 weeks, I had a really terrifying bleeding episode. Um, so I went to the restroom one evening around like seven o'clock and I was gushing light, bright red blood. So, um, had I not been feeling the baby at that moment, I would really thought that I was having a miscarriage. Uh, It was terrifying. Um, so we rushed in, I was in the hospital like overnight for about six hours and they just monitored everything. Um, it's funny. Um, my story is absolutely nothing like Kelly Kendall's, but I did listen to her story and it was, it resonated with me in a sense that there are so many things that, although I knew what a previa was, I felt like no one prepared me for what could happen with a previa. And it's not, like it's anything serious. Um, it, well, it could be, it could sure. cause, you know, early labor, things like that. But, um, when I went into the hospital that night, they all kind of were just like, oh yeah, you're okay. You're bleeding. You have a previa. I was like, okay, is it normal? Like, I don't understand like why everyone's just like chill. I mean, I guess I would be, I, I, they do that to make you calm, but at the same time, I kind of left there thinking they were all like, yeah, come back again. If you bleed again, like it's normal. I'm like, oh, well, I had no idea that it was probably likely that I would have some sort of bleeding episode. And the only thing I did differently that day is I walked twice that day. So I walked about like a mile earlier that day. And then I walked a mile while my husband was at the gym. I went and just did laps around the gym. And so technically I did a lot, a little bit more strenuous activity. Um, and yeah, everyone was just like, yeah, you're good. It's there's, it's no big deal. I was like, okay, well it didn't feel like no big deal when it was like, when it feels so traumatic. Yeah. That's scary. So it was so scary. So everything was fine after that. Um, and I did get cleared a couple of weeks later to resume, you know, light activity, but my doctor and I both agreed that it wasn't smart after eight weeks of not doing any kind of, sure. yeah, jumping right back other than walking. Yeah. So I, um, I just continued walking my dogs a couple of times a day. Um, that was really like my happy place during quarantine. Um, and I was pregnant through the summer, so it was nice to be outside. And I felt like surprisingly, Indiana had a really sunny, non-rainy summer this past year. So I was able to really enjoy the outdoors a lot when I was pregnant. Um, yeah, I was really smooth sailing. I was, I think like every mom, you, everything went super fast until I was about 30 weeks pregnant. And then I'm thinking there's no way, there's no way I have 10 weeks left. Like 10 weeks felt like nine months. It was insane. Um, so and then it it didn't help. I know everyone was just really excited for me, but I was starting to get like that mom rage of people asking me like, oh, you're still pregnant. I'd get on my work calls and they'd be like, oh, Chelsea's still here. Guess she hasn't had the baby. I'm like, you guys, I have 10 weeks left. So this baby's not coming for a it's while. So if you could just kindly shut up, that'd be fantastic. Um, Are you starting to get uncomfortable or just anxious and excited about baby coming or both? Just so I was excited for baby to come, but I had started having sleeping issues, which I've historically been a fantastic sleeper. Like I could sleep anywhere, anytime, don't have any trouble sleeping, but I was, um, I'm a, I typically sleep on my side, but even like sleeping on my side, like rolling over, I was having like lower, like the lightning crotch pains I was having um, just uncomfortable. My back hurt, like, uh, my back hurt so bad. Um, so pregnancy pillow helped, but only for a couple weeks. And then you just get to be so large and in charge that like nothing really helps. Um, so I wasn't sleeping good. I was really snippy with my husband, bless his heart. I, we had to have many of the discussions of you're not being very nice. And like, I could tell he was like, you know, walking on eggshells. Like I want to tell you this, but I'm a little scared to tell you this, Yeah. but I just wasn't sleeping well. Um, regardless, I made it to 40 weeks and I had my, my appointment the day before my due date. And we did a membrane sweep, which I'm assuming a lot of moms out there know what it is, but it's separating that amniotic sac from your cervix to kick in those, um, labor hormones. And lo and behold, I was really crampy the whole rest of the day. Um, 
and I felt those, what everyone kept saying I would feel is those like period like cramps. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like this is actually Mormon up. what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I had that all day. And then by that evening it was like, I was like, okay, these are getting a little bit more painful. And then by nine o'clock they had stopped. And my husband kept, it's, it was a running joke that he just said, just don't talk to me about any of the pain that you're feeling because I'm, he was like, it's harder for me right now. The waiting is so, is so hard for me right now. And it was obviously a joke, but, um, he, he, we luckily were able to joke pretty frequently, even up until, I mean, in the delivery room, um, we have a very joking kind of relationship. So, um, a lot of people probably wouldn't get it, but I, I don't know if you you and your husband are like that, but we can really like oh, yes. kind of take jobs at each other. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's yeah, good for so labor too, to keep you laughing, to keep things yeah. light. It's good for you. All the sphincters loose. <laughs> exactly. So we, um, got in bed that night and he rolled over and he's like, are you really not having any anymore? And I was like, no, they went away. He's like, oh, all right. So then we go to sleep and at 1am I woke up like, okay, this is really, I mean, I want to say really intense in comparison to what it was, you know, five hours earlier. So I'm laying there, I'm tossing and turning. I'm like, okay, I get my phone out with the app, the counting app. So I'm like, I'm going to start timing these. And I laid there for probably 45 minutes until I woke him up and I said, okay, like my app is technically telling me that like, I need to start like getting ready to go to the hospital. I know it can't gauge pain, but I mean, like they're really frequent. And he's like, okay, he like jumps up, he gets in the shower, he goes and gets the dog stuff ready because we had a friend who was on, on call to come get our dogs and keep the dogs for a week. Um, he gets all their stuff ready. He showers, he shaves, like he's like ready to go. And then, um, I basically was just like, sitting there like, okay, I don't really know what to do. Um, (laughs) so I ended up calling triage and the lady basically said because of COVID and I learned this in our birth class, like they want you to labor at home as long as possible. Which is Um, amazing. Yeah. Yes. So, and again, like I had nothing to compare being pregnant with like being pregnant in a pandemic. Um, but I did, I labored for the most part at home. So, so she told me in an hour, she said, take a bath, take some Tylenol and see if like, this is the real deal. Like you will know in an hour if they're more intense then you're probably actually in labor. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. So I had taken Tylenol and I took a warm bath. And so again, this is at like two 30 in the morning and they started stopping. I'm like, oh, gosh, dang it. So I got back in bed and literally Tim was so he's like, this is stupid. I'm so he's like, this is the worst. So we go back to sleep while he fell back asleep. And literally within 15 minutes, it was like full blown. They came back with a vengeance. Um, yeah, sometimes water, depending on where you are in the labor can kind of like slow things down, which is a a good thing. It's a good thing for your body and gives baby a break and lets you rest a little bit. So, yeah. So, um, we, got back up and it was basically the lady had said, you don't need to call triage again. If you feel like you need to come in, just come in. So I was basically to the point where the, they were so bad that, um, I mean, it's funny how they say, can you walk or talk through your contractions? It's like, yes, I could talk through them, but like, I, I don't want to. And they were actually, um, to the point where either I was having to lean over onto the bed or, even just like get on my knees. And it's so, such a strange feeling, just never having contractions before, not knowing what to expect. But it's like, that was like my natural reaction is like, okay, I'm going to get on my hands and knees because this is the only thing that feels beautiful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, like your body just tells you what to do. Um, so we got everything packed up. We got in the car. We actually got to the hospital around 6 a.m. So I'd been laboring for about five hours at home. And um, so we got there. We I just had a contraction in the car. And so my husband's like, okay, let's go. Like, get out of the car. We're in the parking garage. <laughs> they unfortunately didn't have like valet services or anything because of COVID. Like they couldn't just drop us off yeah. up, up at the, the building. Um 
So we get in, I'm like hot tailing it over to the, the COVID check, check in place to get our temperatures taken and, you know, had to stop and get on my hands and knees in the hallway at one point. And it's funny how you like, don't even feel embarrassment or anything. Like it starts to go out the door. Like there were nurses walking by other people walking by. And I'm just like, Hey, (laughs) do what you gotta do. (laughs) (laughs) Just having a contraction on the floor. (laughs) Like just keep walking. Um, so then we get, we get up into triage and there's me and another woman there, you know, full blown having contractions, um, with our partners, like looking at each other, like what in the world about are to we happen? doing here? <laughs> yes. Um, so we finally got roomed and it's funny because I had been saying my whole pregnancy, I am going to go natural. Like, I think I can do it. I am strong. I, you know, I do CrossFit. Like I think I'm some sort of badass. Um, I can do so it. I, know I have a high, yeah, I have such a, you know, high pain tolerance for the most part. And so I'm like, no, literally it like rocked my world, the, the pain from the contractions. And I don't mean that to like scare anyone, but I'm, I always just try to tell myself that I'm going to be honest with my friends who haven't been through it. And it's funny, you get annoyed when people say, oh, you'll know. And you're like, okay, thanks for that. That (laughs) doesn't help me at all. And then now I'm that person. Oh, like you will know. Like I, one of my best friends had a little, um, she went in and it was just Braxton Hicks. And I was the same way. I actually went in once for Braxton Hicks too, because I just was like, I knew what they were, but they were very frequent and rhythmic. And so all the ladies at the hospital were like, you will know. I'm like, again, okay, thanks. Like, yeah, that's super helpful. Um, but yeah, it, it really was obviously unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Did um, they check you when you got to the hospital to see what your how, how far dilated were you? I was three. So, okay. so mind you at my appointment on, um, so my appointment on Tuesday morning, um, I was a one and I had been at one centimeter for like two weeks Yeah, and I had the membrane sweep, which I know that kicked in my labor. Yeah. Like it's, you were close, no obviously your question. body was, your body was getting there, which is right. good. Sometimes, sometimes you yeah. do that and your body wasn't really ready and it was just kind of a right long yeah. shot. <laughs> it gets your hopes up. Yeah. Um, so I was at three centimeters once I finally got into triage and they checked me. Um, it felt like a serious lifetime when I was there. Um, triage beds are not comfortable. So having contractions <laughs> in that triage bed and my husband's took, he brought his laptop because he had to, you know, rearrange meetings and he's super busy. Um, so he's sitting next to me in triage <laughs> on this, you know, hard metal chair, which, you know, you got to give a little, like, you got to give a shout out to the husbands. Like they're not going through labor, but they have their own sort of discomforts, you know, during labor sitting I on metal it. chairs. Um, so he's, he's just sitting there and trying to rearrange meetings. And I am, as I compare myself, when I tell about contracting and triage, like the girl from the exorcist, just like rising off of the bed. I was white knuckle. I had my hands like behind me on the metal bar, like just bracing myself. I was, um, I had this idea that I would go into labor and braid my hair and put on makeup. And when 1am hit and I'm awake in the middle of the night and labor, I was like, I'm not even showering. Like, (laughs) I just don't even care. Let me just work through um, this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so I, my hair is a mess. It was in a ponytail, but like I'm rocking my head back and forth. And so my hair is like matted, like a bird's nest. And, um, I was just like, it was so weird. Like I was almost like rubbing my face during contractions. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was such a strange thing. Like thinking, like looking back, like, I don't know why I did things like that to soothe myself, but I did. Um, it's strange. So at one point I was between a contraction and I looked over at my husband and I just said, you could never do this. <laughs> and he, he didn't say anything. He just looked at me with wide eyes and then was like, and then just went back to rearranging his meetings. Um, it was really, it's funny looking back, but I just, that's the only thing I ever said the whole time. Um, hysterical. You're handling it much yeah. better than me. I think I probably would have yelled at him like, get off your computer and come rub my face or something like yeah. my hand. Uh, yeah. It was That's so funny. It's funny. Like I'm definitely, my love language is not 
like touch or anything like that. So I feel like I would have been really annoyed with him. If he was, just like, trying to like rub my shoulders. I would have been like, don't touch me. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely more of like a words of affirmation. Like sure. you're awesome. You're doing great. Um, which I think he was probably scared to even say anything at that point. So um, we were just quiet in between yeah. contractions. Um, and he did say, he was like, do you actually want an epidural? And I was like, yes. Oh my gosh. I definitely want an epidural. So when the um, midwife came in, she, she was like, it says here that you were going to go natural. And I said, nope, um, don't want to go natural. So they got me, I was actually the first, I think the first person on the anesthesiologist shift. So once I got finally roomed at eight, so this was, um, two hours after I got into triage, I got roomed and almost immediately I got my epidural. So I like to say that's when the party started. Sure. Like, I felt great. I, oh my gosh, it was just Did they so give you a walking feel... epidural? Were you able sure to move around or were you, were you on the bed? I was on the bed, but I had really, really good leg control, but I did not feel like I wanted to walk. Like I was very comfortable just being in the bed. Like I know okay. that a lot of people have issues with that. Yeah. And I thought that I would, because I have a little bit of like, I think it's kind of a form of claustrophobia where if I can't move my arms or legs, like it makes me very anxious. Sure. Um, but I didn't have that experience. I was nervous about it. And I think that's one of the reasons I didn't want an epidural, but they, um, all of my nurses were basically saying that I had they were like, you have one of the best epidurals I've ever seen. I had amazing leg control. I didn't have any, um, more or less pain on either side. It was very even. Um, I only had to push my button one time, I think to get a little bit more relief. Um, and that was still right in the very beginning within probably 30 minutes of getting it. Um, so I felt fantastic. And, um, yeah, my, husband and I were actually watching friends. We're huge friends fans. So we turned on the TV and friends was on like Nick at night or something like that. Um, so we just watched friends and we laughed and, oh, my, my OB, I was super thankful. He was on call that night. So I got, he had, he got to deliver, which was super special because we have a great relationship with him, um, professionally and as my doctor. So, um, he broke my water, which was kind of cool feeling. Like, I mean, I felt like I peed myself, but it was cool just to be like, oh my gosh, okay. My water's broken. And my husband said that he like saw it just like gush out and yeah. he was like, it was so weird. I'm like, yeah, you're about to see a lot more <laughs> weird stuff. Like just be ready. Um, so, so he broke my water. We watched friends. They did the, um, my, I will say this a million times over my labor and delivery nurse, Betsy was literally a godsend. She was my biggest hero. She talked me through everything. When I got my epidural, she was like, she was rubbing my shoulders and I was like, yes, girl, rub my shoulders. You can rub my shoulders all day. And like, there was something about her presence that was just really just, I don't know. She was just an angel to me. Um, so awesome. I loved, loved, loved her. And so I, just was feeling great. She brought in, which I don't think all labor and delivery nurses do this. And I'm sure it's just kind of part of their own practice, like how they like to do things, Mm -hmm. but she did do the positioning, um, the peanut. Have you seen the peanut pillow? Like the big yoga ball peanut. Um, so she did position me, um, a couple times, uh, on one side and then on another side, which I actually really enjoyed. It was really relieving to be able to kind of get into that position and get baby in the right position. Mm -hmm. Um, but I progressed super quickly. So after my water broke, um, I was at five centimeters by the time. So I was at three centimeters at 6am and then at five centimeters at at eight. And then by, she said she was going to come back and check me at noon and, oh no, maybe there was one other time between there, but, uh, basically I went from five centimeters to a full 10 centimeters by like 1130. And I progressed super quickly. Um, and I was ready to start pushing by like, um, 1145 noon. And so she, 
and Betsy and Tim, they got, they got me in the position. And I, the worst part I think about that was when I was transitioning, I know they tell you you'll get nauseous. And so I remember like the saliva just salivating and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to puke. This is really weird. And that's how they were like, yeah, you're like, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Um, it all hits you. You're like, no way. Like I'm getting ready to push because they warned me. They're like, as your first baby, you know, you might be in labor for like 12 hours. Like it's, it's yeah. common for first birth to be like an 18 hour delivery, um, or an eight hour labor. And I progressively, and they were like, dude, you're a rock star. Like you're killing it. So I started pushing and, um, literally, I think I pushed through, I think three contractions and she actually had to, she was like, Oh, and I felt her like push his head back in. She was like, okay, I need to call the doctor. So, um, she got my doctor in there and he was like, all right, let's do this. Um, so I only pushed through, I think like four more contractions and I only pushed for a total of like 30 minutes and he was here. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, um, an episiotomy. He was getting stuck. And so I had to get, um, a little snip, which my husband said was the worst part watching it because he, it all happened so fast. He just like, I didn't realize what he was about to do. And then he, and then I just saw the blood and it was, I heard, he's like, I heard your skin get cut. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I didn't like that. Do you remember what position he was in? Did they talk to you about what position he, like when he was coming out, was he face up? Was he face down? He was face down. So he was like the, he wasn't sunny side up. So like, I didn't have any back labor or anything because of his head position. Yeah. Yeah, He was in great position. Um, so, so yeah, I, I remember just the doctor, I had my eyes closed and, um, I will say with an epidural, the pushing doesn't hurt at all. Like, I don't know what I expected, but I I knew it would be pain relief, but I was like, it just felt like pushing. And I thought that was amazing. I'm like, I'm pushing a baby out of me and I can't feel anything. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, I just remember my eyes were closed and my doctor just said, he was like, Chelsea, 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 look, look, look. And then I opened my eyes and he was bringing Callaway over onto my chest. And I was like, then like, nothing is the same. Yeah. So you're just a so yeah, it was, crying mess of excitement and love and oxygen. yes, <laughs> yes, it was amazing. So yeah. So my labor was fast and fun. I actually like think so fondly back on my labor because we laughed so much. My husband is a really big like jokester. So he is like the king of dad jokes, even before, you know, he was a dad in the flesh, but he would say like really awkward things to my nurses. And like, we just had so much fun. We had so much fun. Um, so yeah, I had an amazing experience. That's so beautiful. I love that. I love that so much. I feel so lucky that we're going to get this postpartum story, which we really came for. And we got lucky enough to get a bonus birth story. I love it. <laughs> yes. Sorry. I get, I just get going about it. No, I, I love it. Love, it's great. I love sharing it. Um, but yeah, so kind of thinking about, you know, like my breastfeeding journey after that, um, it was, that was kind of when things got real for me. Like it was not all sunshine and butterflies. Um, can I, before you go so, into it, can I ask you yeah. what, what kind of preparation or research, like where did, where did you start? Um, I didn't have a whole lot. So I basically knew that I wanted to, um, I felt like I wanted to do like a good solid six months of breastfeeding. I thought that I don't, I don't know that I thought it would be easy, but I thought that, so I will say my biggest kind of anxiety in pregnancy was I thought a lot about breastfeeding. Like I thought a lot about breastfeeding because I was nervous about it. Like, am I going to be able to do it? Um, is it going to be hard? Um, what if I, what if it hurts? Like my sister-in-law had, um, she was pretty open and honest with me. Like she had a lot of trouble with her first, um, tongue tie, lip tie, like lots of different things like that. Um, it was really hard for her and, um, just seeing her struggle. I was like, oh my gosh, is that going to be me? Like, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, I didn't get a chance to take the breastfeeding class that was offered through my hospital, Um, I recommend it to everyone now having not even ever seen it. I'm like, please learn more about breastfeeding. Um, 
but I basically just like talked to my mom, talked to my friends that have babies, like, Hey, how did it go for you? And like, honestly, everyone was like, easy peasy, no issues. It was great. So I'm like, Oh, like, it's probably going to be great. Like I just had this kind of, yeah, I had this like utopian kind of view of it. Like, it's going to be like the most amazing bonding experience. Like it's going to be easy. He's going to be like a pro nurser. Like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, definitely not the case. It was super rough. Um, I will say that I did not have a great lactation consultant. My first go around. Um, she basically said, yeah, you like put him here and okay. I was like, Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. She was in there one time and she was not helpful. So then I basically was in like excruciating pain for, um, for the first 12 hours. So basically that first 12 hours, um, I didn't get any extra help because I felt like I've been told to to like use the lactation consultants as much as you need, but I felt like she didn't help me. So you weren't really confident in her. Yeah. Right. And so I was just trying and trying and trying and it was so painful. I basically was already bleeding in purple. Um, by the time that yes, I couldn't like, I, and I was just like, is it supposed to hurt? Like, I guess I just bawled like the whole time he nursed, I just cried. And so my second girl got in there and she was amazing. So that night, then the girl that was on shift, so she came in and she like put her gloves on and was like, can I touch you? Can I touch him? Um, I'm like, yeah, like just help me. And she immediately looked at me and she was like, you have flat nipples. Like you need to have a shield. So I'm like, oh, okay. So literally like she first taught me how to hand express because I didn't even, the first girl didn't even tell me how to even express colostrum. Um, I was like getting to be really engorged and in pain. So I was like, I don't know how to navigate this. Um, So once we introduced the nipple shield, like game changer, I mean, like I didn't have pain anymore. Like, I mean, I think as he first latched on and like first started sucking, you're just like, oh, like this is a different feeling. So yeah. it kind of hurt for like 10 seconds and then, um, it subsided and then I was able to let him nurse. You've got to let all that other damage that you just caused or, or you know, that, that just happened to like, yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It was so painful. I mean, I had like these half moon, like purple bruises, oh, like babe. all across my nipples. It was bad. Um, he was trying, so he was, he was, he was, he was really trying, trying like a madman. <laughs> Yes. So, um, it was so awesome too. Like it's, she got Tim involved and said like, here's how you can help her. Like Mm -hmm. you can help, you know, pull her breast up this way and then like help hold his head and get him situated and like shove pillows behind her back, like try to find the most comfortable way, like just listen to her. And so it was really like a beautiful thing that he was able to be involved. And honestly, I felt like his mind was such in a better place than mine. So he was remembering things that I wasn't remembering. So later when I'd be struggling, he's like, Hey, remember she said, like, tilt his head up a little bit make sure his chin is not like tucked down. I'm like, okay. And like, you have to get over that. Like, stop. Like, I, I know what I'm doing, but cause you yeah. really don't know what you're doing. Um, you have to really like surrender to it. Um, so he was super helpful. Um, and honestly, like it just got better from there for the first couple days. Um, so we got to go home on the third day so we were home around like noon or one o'clock on that third day um we got discharged in the morning um and then that was like a whole different thing like trying to navigate like getting comfortable in your house and getting into a position that works for you and then we did have some people come and visit um and then like I don't know. It was just, it was a whole different experience. And I had already started developing postpartum anxiety, um, which was really rough because I had never experienced anything like anxiety, like ever before in my life. So, um, I will say the anxiety kicked in and I did not sleep the entire time I was at the hospital. So I was like three days, no sleep. So I was a hot mess. Um, that did not help anxiety. Do you feel like it was some of this attached to the breastfeeding side of things, or was it mostly the sounds of the baby and, you know, this constant scared fear of them being them content, keeping them alive and like, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All of so it. <laughs> actually, I know, I know exactly what triggered it. So 
at one point we were both like getting ready to go to sleep, try to sleep. Um, and he had just nursed and we had swaddled him and we put him down in the little bassinet and, and this was in the hospital and he, I, I didn't, again, things that you just don't know. And like, you think now it's like, oh, that's kind of seems like common sense, but he started to spit up like amniotic fluid, which is like thick and he inhaled it. And so he turned blue and was like, not breathing. So Tim grabbed him and turned him on his side really fast and patted his back and he like spit it out. But I immediately, the, it literally triggered that quickly that if I don't watch this baby, he is going to die in his sleep. He is going to aspirate on his back and he's going to die. And so that is where it manifested and it like didn't go away. So then I didn't sleep. I literally laid there and just stared at him through the like plastic of the bassinet for, I mean, just hours and hours and hours. Um, so that's where it started. And, um, so then when we got home, if you can hear him, he's talking on his monitor. Um, yeah, he'll go back to sleep, but, um, he like usually wakes up and chats to himself for a few. Um, so, um, we're home and, um, like I honestly, like the breastfeeding was going well, I would say, um, I was a little bit stressed about it just because I had no idea how long I was supposed to let him nurse. I, um, my milk came in like hardcore and as much as they tell you like, okay, massage your breasts, like use ice packs, this and that, you really have no idea what it feels like until it happens to you again. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I was so engorged. I was in so much, I had rock hard boobs. I, even when he was nursing, like he, I was not regulating yet, obviously. So I was trying to nurse to relieve it. And then I ended up having to pump a little bit and then everyone, and then I was the queen of Google, which was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. New moms out there. Don't Google anything. Yeah. (laughs) Remind yourself that the pioneers had babies, but they (laughs) didn't have Google. (laughs) That's what I always try to tell myself. Like oh, for a Facebook group babies. first, maybe and or yes. a lactation consultant. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So then I'm reading like you shouldn't pump that, that early because then it could like make you produce more and then your boobs will hurt more. And I don't even know. It was it was really stressful. So then I just stressed myself out by reading. Um and then he, I think as all babies do, I mean, we were up all night for the first like three or four days. Um, so then I'm again, not sleeping, not napping in the day. I literally don't even know how much sleep I got in that first week. It was terrible. Um, and that's not to say that new moms can't get sleep. It was my anxiety. Um, just to throw that, throw that out there. No, it was real, realistically, most new moms issues. are not going to get much sleep. <laughs> but when not. you're dealing with anxiety and, and stuff too, it makes like, even when you get to mm-hmm. finally lay down for that nap, like when your partner is holding the baby you or you have help, you can't because you're so stressed out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like I literally could not, like, I didn't even feel like I was tired at some, t- at some point. Cause your adrenaline's just going. Um, but, but yeah, so the breastfeeding was going really well. Um, I would say like, I, I will say it was stressful because I did need to use a shield. Um, yeah, so that was like one more thing that I had to like sanitize, sterilize, get that, put that on, make sure I was holding it there, then getting him latched and like, Ugh, it was just, a, it was really not enjoyable for me, which, um, I think also was really stressful because like I had told you, I had this like utopian view of like, I'm going to yeah. breastfeed for six months and it's going to be amazing. And it wasn't, and it was actually starting to affect, I think my bond with him. Like I felt like, uh, like he wants to nurse again, like, okay, like, here we go. And it just didn't feel like natural to me, which I know some moms, um, it really does. And I know a lot of it was looking back, definitely anxiety. Um, I was just not feeling like myself. And so I feel like I was having trouble being in the moment and like surrendering to it and saying like, okay, it's going to get better. Um, so it was really hard for me. Um, and then at his first appointment, he was still losing weight. So, um, he didn't have any ties, nothing like that. Like he, uh, my doctor just said, like, you know, 
he's maybe just not very and a very efficient nurser. Um, but we'll have you back in a couple of days and we'll check on him. So I, you know, we kept just doing what we were doing. She just gave me recommendations like try not to let him stay on the breast for too long because he's probably burning a lot of calories by like non-nutritive sucking. Um, cause she was like, how long is he nursing? She was trying to like diagnose that, like he shouldn't be, you know, on the breast for longer than 20 minutes. Um, because other, like on top of that, he's just like using you as a pacifier. I'm like, okay. So then I'm more confused because I'm like, I don't know how long to nurse him for. Yeah. So it was really hard. Um, and then when we went back a few days later, he was still losing weight. Um, so he was like pretty far below birth weight. Um, so he, he was like seven, seven when he was born and he was like down like six, 10 or something like that. So he was, he had lost some weight. Um, so my pediatrician, she suggested, well, actually she didn't really suggest, and I don't feel like it was any, um, she was telling me I sh- should stop breastfeeding or anything like that. But her professional opinion was, I would like if you pumped for the weekend. So this was on a Friday afternoon, pump and bottle feed for the weekend, because we need to see if he, if it's something else, like we know that he's going to be transferring milk from the bottle because you can sure. physically see it. And then if he's still gaining, if he's still losing by Monday, then we'll know that it's, you know, something, something else is going on. Sure. So just broke down, bawled my eyes out in the pediatrician's office because I'm like, I'm failing. Like, I don't like, I am supposed to be doing this like natural thing that I am so confused. Like I, I can't, I'm just a terrible breastfeeder. Like what's going on. Um, so I was super torn up about that. And luckily my husband, like he's so level-headed and he's very, um, very analytical about things. And he just was like, listen, you need to do what's best for Callaway and you need to do what's best for you. You are so stressed out about all of this. Like just give yourself a break for the weekend, do the bottle feeding. We will know how much his little tummy is getting and we can just see. And then, and then on Monday we'll reevaluate. Like she's not telling you, you have to stop, just take a break for the weekend. I'm like, okay. So I'm like sort of coming to terms with this. And, you know, on the way home, I'm like, I told him, I'm like, I just have to mourn this a little bit. Like you just have to let me cry. I'm still like hot mess express from hormones, like leveling out again. It didn't like, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, so we did the bottle feeding for the weekend. I quickly learned that I hated pumping. It actually caused me more anxiety uh, because I felt like I didn't know how to navigate it with a baby and my husband didn't get time off work. And so we were working from home, but he was, so this was over a weekend. So he was able to help me that first weekend. Like he would be holding the baby while I would be pumping. But, um, it was just, I hated pumping. I hated it. It was uncomfortable. Um, I just felt like I was stuck under a pump. Um, it was just, it was really hard for me, but I did it. And so come Monday, he actually had gained like four ounces. So I'm like, okay, he's on an upswing. And I actually found that even though I didn't like pumping, I actually felt my anxiety lessen by not having him out of the breast. So I made the decision that I was going to continue pumping and bottle feeding and not continue breastfeeding. Um, For me, I felt like allowing myself to let go of that immediately helped strengthen my bond with Callaway. I could look at him when I was feeding him. He could make eye contact with me. I could have help from Tim. He was able to immediately start helping with feedings. Um, and he was able to bond like that way with him as well. Um, so I immediately started feeling my anxiety getting better. Um, it's was by no means gone, um, because there were a lot of other triggers, but, um, I felt like I had more freedom and that I almost felt like I was getting my body back a little bit. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a really weird sensation because I really did put breastfeeding up on this pedestal, like thought it would be easy for me and it was hard to let go, but, um, I continued pumping and literally, but so we, from that appointment, we then had another weight check. Like that was a Monday and we had another weight check on a Wednesday that next Wednesday, he literally gained six more ounces in two days. And I'm like, Holy cow. Then I just slowly kept thinking like, okay, this is the right choice. 
Like, I know that he's getting what he needs and it's not really about me at this point. Like I just need to continue doing the test for him. And in the long run, it actually turned out obviously being what was best for me and my mental health. Um, but I will say within two weeks of pumping, um, and now looking back, knowing that it was postpartum anxiety that I was dealing with, uh, my supply dropped drastically. Um, obviously I feel like it was probably partly that my, I didn't have a baby at my breast that your supply starts to naturally drop. Um, but even with pumping, I was not, I was maybe getting like an ounce. And then I felt even worse, like this anxiety thinking, what if I'm not even enough to can't even pump enough to satisfy my baby. So then, then I was just scared of that. Um, and all of the, so I had been using the Haka on the other side, which breastfeeding moms, the Haka is amazing. Um, yes. So I was able to catch a lot while I was breastfeeding. Well, what I thought was a lot at the time. And I had a decent little freezer stash, probably like 20 bags of breast milk, which was great. Um, and then my supply dropped. So I was going through those bags of milk, like, I mean, every time I had to make a bottle, I was basically thawing out another bag. Um, and I just couldn't keep up. And about a week later, so week three, um, I just kind of looked at my husband and I said, I think that we need to start supplementing with formula because I'm not able to produce enough. And even if I was able to produce enough, like I don't want to be stuck under a pump. Like it was really, really hard for me. So once my husband was back working, um, which paternity leave is another thing that we should talk about someday. Um, yes. It'd be amazing if he had that. Um, but I then had to try to navigate like holding a baby while he was sleeping and I needed to pump and uh, it was it's just so such, hard. it was so hard. Um, so we talked to our pediatrician, we had an appointment um, and I asked her about supplementing and she was like, I think that's great. Um, best of both worlds, like continue giving breast milk. If you have breast milk to give, mix it with formula do what you need to do. Um, she was super supportive. Um, and it's just that whole stigma, like thinking that whole formula is poison kind of thing. Like don't give your baby formula breast is best, but truly, um, fed is best. It really is. I mean, if I wasn't feeding my baby, then we would be talking a whole different story right now. If I, I probably would have my baby taken from me. Like, I mean, I had to feed him. Um, so making that choice with formula was again, like another step towards better mental health for me. I felt so much better knowing that I didn't have to worry about how much I was going to get out of a pumping session. Um, I could just make a bottle. I knew exactly how much he would need. If I needed more, I'll just go make a little bit more of a bottle. Like it was really, um, good to know that I had that option and it was super, super just stress relieving for me, honestly. Um, And so we basically had switched fully to formula by about three to three and a half weeks, um, because I just burned through my supply and then I just put my pump up. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I give so much, so many kudos to women who exclusively pump like Kelly, um, just amazing, amazing, amazing. And such a sacrifice and, I know like there are probably women who love pumping, but I know a lot of women who don't love pumping, but it's I think what there they are do very, and, very few women yeah, who actually love pumping. I think, no, I, truly. I mean, obviously you, there's things to love about it, right? It does this thing for, it, it can be such a help for this thing that you want so badly. And that sometimes mm-hmm. is like the way that you have to go. Right. Um, but no, it's, I think it's a tedious thing. There's all the parts to wash. Like mm-hmm. it's Ugh. never a fun thing to do. I don't blame you. I get it. Yeah. So really just switching to formula, like I said, was, it was the best decision and we did have some trial and error. I mean, their little tummies are so sensitive. Um, I went through, I started on Similac advanced, um, which is kind of what the hospitals give you too. Um, but we got these samples in the mail and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to try this Similac advanced. And it was super hard on his tummy. Like he was, writhing with gas pain like it was really hard and then you're like is this the right choice like I don't know if I can watch him like struggle so we tried all the tricks like you know bicycle their legs and like burp every ounce and everything you know there's just a whole new thing to like google like I hate to say that I did the same thing I was like 
how do I know if my baby's tolerating this formula? And I basically comes down to like, just pay attention to your baby. Like Mm -hmm. you're so in tune with your baby. You don't even realize how in tune you are. Um, so we went through three different formulas until we found the right one and he's on a sensitive um, formula. So it kind of makes sense because my husband actually has a dairy sensitivity. Ah. So, um, it's not a like soy or soy formula or anything like that, but it has like the, um, whatever the lactose in it is, that's like the, not a full, whatever. I don't even know exactly what it is, but it's for sensitive, um, sensitivities. So he started doing amazing on that. Um, and honestly, like he's just thriving. He's so great. Um, just growing like a weed and hitting all those milestones. And like, I just keep reminding myself that no one asks you on your college resume, if you were formula fed or breastfed. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know if you were formula or breastfed. I can't tell by looking at you. I was a formula fed baby. Um, my husband was a formula fed baby and like, I actually never even knew that I, my mom, my mom only breastfed me for about a month, which is like close to the same Mm -hmm. uh, story that I had. Hers was because she had to go back to work, um, really quickly, but, um, yeah, like I was formula fed. (laughs) Yeah. Say say that again. And pumps were not the same then. No, (laughs) they were not the same. Um, not at all. So so yeah, so I was formula fed and I think I'm a fine person. So, um, yeah, like I just have to remind myself that I made the best choice and, um, it really, honestly, I mean, I keep talking about the anxiety, but I still struggle with it now. So he's, um, four months on Sunday and it's so much better, but, um, I still have these moments where I struggle with it, but I know that making the choice to, not breastfeed. And, you know, I don't know if I want to even call it a sacrifice because I don't really feel like it was a sacrifice. I feel like it was just a good choice on my part. Um, so I feel like making that choice really has made such a huge difference. I was able to kind of like get a relationship back with my husband. I was very, um, just so deep in that cycle of, not knowing what I was doing, being nervous, being concerned, not thinking I was doing anything right and just constantly, it does. And I was finally able to kind of relax and, um, yeah, like if I needed a bottle, my husband could go make me a bottle and vice versa. Like he could take a, a late shift, um, and, you know, figuring out how to get me sleeping more (laughs) was a huge deal with doing that. I was able to, um, go to bed at like 8 PM, which you just start doing things like that when you need sleep. And he would stay up and do the last few feedings until like 1, 1 AM. So I would get like a solid stretch of sleep. Um, and had we not been bottle feeding and formula feeding, like that wouldn't have been possible for me. Um, and I needed that, like my anxiety was triggered a lot by sleep deprivation. Um, yeah. So everything just improved once we switched to formula and, um, I joined a formula feeding mommy's support group on Facebook, um, which has been such a blessing to me. Um, if anyone wants to know that group, I will totally post it in the, your Facebook page because yeah, it share it with so me and I'll put it in me. the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's such a great support system and I've never seen one negative comment on that page. Like I can't even believe that everyone is always supportive on there. Like it sounds yeah. crazy, but, um, it seems like there's been a lot of a shift in moms finally supporting moms, um, yeah. which is great. Um, lots of good things came out of 2020, I think, but yeah. people are finally starting to be a little more kind to each other. Well, Maybe. and when you have, what's so cool about just the age we're living in and Facebook groups is something, well, I think that they're so, um, just like incredible right now, especially if you have something that's that specific, it's like the most pretty much probably, I would assume the majority of the women, if not all the women in there have similar stories and that they can relate to the, the guilt or the shame or any of these things that go along with that entire process and that entire storyline of, of wanting to feed your baby and the anxiety of all that. And like, it is so overwhelming. There is something to be said for 
everybody in a specific group or in one place that has this like relatable piece and Mm -hmm. you're just, it's the heart to heart, right? It's like, you can feel for that person. And so, but yeah, I think it does break down these barriers and minimizes judgment to each other. I loved your story so, so much because I just love breastfeeding stories in general. And I love the way it really speaks to motherhood. And I don't know if you have had an opportunity to listen to the last episode I did with my sister on the breastfeeding segment, but one of the things that we talked about was one of the benefits of breastfeeding is that it really is where the journey of that is, it is really your first opportunity as a mother to like mother it's figuring out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what breastfeeding is, is that it looks, I fought really, really, really hard. And I went through a lot of really stressful things where there was definitely times where at the, at the time I thought maybe I should give up right now because yes, it's stressing me out and he's upset and I'm upset. And this probably isn't the greatest thing right now, but for me, I wanted to keep going. And so every woman is going to have a different story and every woman's going to have a threshold of what they can handle. And there's so many mm-hmm. pieces, right? Like your husband was working and so it's just this amazing, it really ends up being this thing that you can look back on and, and feel like I made the best decision, not only for me, but for my baby and for my husband and for us as an entire unit. And mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to do by any means, but it's like, these stories are such great examples of that. And so thank you so much. <laughs> I like, just think it's, I just think it's such a beautiful example of it all. And a couple of things I want to mention or just really touch on, because I don't know if we'll have an opportunity to talk to them later in the podcast if somebody else deals with this. But so nipple shields are really like, they can be so beneficial, right? Especially if you have flat or inverted nipples or something like they can be really helpful. They have a use, but they're also really, really tricky. And that a lot of times they can mess with transfer. And it's hard for you mm-hmm. as a first time mom to know whether baby's actually transferring or actually really getting much or at all, or it, Cause you don't know what it's supposed to feel like. And you don't know like the sounds and like looking for the milk in the corners. Like there's just all these things, right. And you're not really sure. And so one of the things I really just want to point out is if you are using a nipple shield, it's going to be most beneficial for you to make ensure that if you're going to be using them, you have continued support with a lactation consultant that you really like, and you trust, and you feel like knows their crap because they're going to be able to help you do before and after transfer weights to say, okay, if baby's at the, at the nipple with the nipple shield on, let's weigh before and weigh after and see what we're getting. I went through a very similar experience that you did and that I was using this nipple shield because miles wouldn't latch. And I thought he, we thought he needed that. And he very well may Mm -hmm. could have in the beginning, but he wasn't latching correctly and he wasn't transferring. And then same, similar story, my supply tanked. And so I had all these times that I had like these weeks where I thought he was nursing, but he actually wasn't getting anything at all. And then of course your body starts to regulate pretty quickly trying to say, you know, like how much does this baby need? How much is baby demanding? And it, and it's so smart that it like reacts and it sucks, but you know, it, it Mm -hmm. knows like it's, you know, it's talking with your body. So that's one of those things I wanted to point out is if you're going to end up using a nipple shield, please, please, please ensure that you have the support because it can be a good tool but if you're a first time mom and you don't have these experience or you aren't hearing a story like this, it's so, it's so hard to know whether it's something that is continually working or if there needs to be some tweaks going on. So I want to ask you, if you're going to talk to a mom, what is your message to her? Like, what is, what's the advice? What's the message? What's the, what's the heart to heart? So I would say, um, definitely get more support from a lactation consultant. Like you said, um, Although I had support in the hospital, I don't feel like I prepared myself very well. I wish I would have taken that breastfeeding class and I wish I would have maybe even joined like a breastfeeding group and kind of gotten more tips and tricks on like what your experience could be like, because I really had no clue. Um, And then I would also just say that it's okay to not breastfeed. And I know that a lot of women just go into it, not even wanting to breastfeed at all. Like they, before they even have had the baby, I actually, one of my best friends, um, has struggled with anxiety, um, pre kids. And she made the decision before her babies were even here. I need to go formula. Um, I know that it's going to be an anxiety trigger because it was already starting to be triggering for her before her babies were here. Um, so I know her kids love her kids. They're great. They're healthy. And they were formula fed from day one. I would just say that 
if you have a goal and you are bound and determined to breastfeed, get all the support you can get. And if you had some picture of how it would be and it didn't end up being that way and you don't want to breastfeed anymore, that's fine too. You don't have to just think you need more education or you need more support or you need this or you need that. And it's going to just make it all better for you. And you're going to love, you're just going to suddenly love breastfeeding. Sometimes that's not the case, um, which was the case for me. Um, and I don't feel like I'm not bonded with my baby. We are super attached. He's doing great. He's thriving. Anything you choose that is good for you and for your baby and for your mental health, that is what's important. You cannot take care of a baby if you don't take care of yourself. Um, which was kind of what I was learning through that whole process. So, and last thing, what I just have to say, do not listen to your pediatrician or anyone that tells you that formula makes your baby sleep longer. (laughs) It is not true. My pediatrician told me that the first day that we said we wanted to start supplementing. She said, oh, great. Best of both worlds. She was super supportive. And then she said, he's probably going to start giving you some longer stretches. So that's great too. You're like, like, fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I'm, I'm like, (laughs) so yeah, I'm going to start getting better sleep. Um, that's not the case. Your sleep is developmental. I think you should do a whole sleep series too, because I would love to come back on talk about sleep. I have a great, I have a great sleeper, but yeah, sleep is developmental and yes, do not listen to anyone who tells you that formula is going to keep them full longer. Yes. It takes longer for them to digest longer than breast milk but they still are going to wake you up. I I fully support formula feeding. Um, If anyone on your Facebook group has any questions, seriously, reach out to me. I am happy to talk to you about my decision to formula feed and ease your mind and let you join that Facebook group because it's great to have support from even from strangers. It feels really good. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I feel like we just covered so much goodness and I just love this message that we are driving home about, about feeding our babies. I just love it. I love it so much. All right, babe. Thank you so much. It was good chatting and catching up too. (laughs) Yes. Good chatting with you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome, babe. Bye. 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 Hey mamas, before you peace out, if what you just heard inspired you, made you feel like you've got a new BFF or simply reminded you of another mama, please share this episode or the podcast and be sure to tag me if you share it on social. My hope is to touch as many of you as possible and drive this mama-led movement. If you're with me, and I know that you are, please take a minute and leave a review. Hearing from you makes my heart so happy and your review could encourage another mama in need to hop on this journey with us. So let's make a pact. I'll bring the fire and in return, you help me strengthen our mama collective. So we may together make the transformation from messy to truly inspired. Let's get it, mama.